0: Welcome to Godpod. This is a podcast from St. Paul's Theological Centre based in Holy Trinity Brompton here in London. Jane Williams, Mike Lloyd and the occasional guest join me, Graham Tomlin, in discussing God, life, theology, the Bible, in fact just about everything. Welcome to Godpod 86 and uh, we have the home team here as usual. It's me, Graham Tomlin. It's uh, me, Michael Lloyd And
1: um, also me, Jane Williams
0: Down in the bunker Down in the bunker with our microphones and our cups of tea And Mike's salad
1: Yes Which we don't let him eat because it's rather a crunchy salad It, it? has
2: celery in it, which isn't good for Godpods <laughs> No, you get crunching sounds in the corner So you, you can, know if you're a long-term
0: um, listener to Godpod You'll know that in the past we had a lot of biscuits We've, we've graduated to salad now, we've become more healthy
2: that's because true, although because I couldn't eat, didn't have time to eat it before we began, went on air, the, the, the apple is going rather brown in front of us. I thought <laughs> we'd is, like to know that. That
0: is the perils of eating salad. It's biscuits don't get brown. Right exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Maybe we should go back to biscuits. <laughs> it's a lot easier. Um, well, in uh, Godpod 86, we are um, continuing our little series on uh, heresies and um, why, who better to talk about them than <laughs> us we know all about heresies heresies so, and why you should avoid them and
1: please do send us in your favorite heresies because um i think we they go on forever we'll...
0: they do but yeah that's a good good point if you have a um uh an idea which you think and you, and you wonder why on earth has the church judged that to be heretical and wrong just send that in and we'll have a um, go at some of them can't promise to do all of the questions you, you send in of course but we will uh have a go at um, some that seem quite interesting to us so last time if you were listening we did um, adoptionism to death (laughs) (laughs) now there's an idea (laughs) and uh, today we're moving on to another um, idea which was quite attractive in the early church and uh, people debate as to whether it was a really a heresy or not but it's um it's what um became known as manichaeism um so, what do you want to, do you want to just Describe Manichaeism. How would you describe Manichaeism as an idea?
2: Well, it was named after Mani, um, who Mani, Mani, Mani. That dates you Graham, <laughs> and me really for recognising where it comes from. Yes, um, I don't know what you're talking about. Of course, Mani, right. <laughs> Mani was kind of influenced by Persian dualism and he basically thought that the world was a battlefield between uh, good and evil and behind that lies two equal and opposite forces um, a good god and a bad god who are kind of slugging it out and it's not clear which of them will win if either or whether it will just continue uh, being an eternal battle of good good against evil
1: and and part of um what the bad god has been up to is is creating bodies and physicality um, so manichaeism also really thinks that um, that reality is primarily rational and spiritual uh, and unfortunately goodness has got itself stuck and trapped in uh, like in thick treacle in in in, mm. in physicality so it's also a, a Um, a a system that has a a great suspicion about embodiedness. Mm.
0: And the the idea is that these good and evil gods or good and evil principles are actually eternal in the sense that that they were always there and in a sense always will be. Um, There might be in certain versions of it a kind of victory of one over the other, but usually it's understood that these are kind of eternal principles um, that have always been there. Um, And therefore there's this kind of eternal battle between uh good and evil so um i guess the first question is do, do you see this in contemporary life do you think manichaeism is still around do you think it's um still something that um people believe not in uh, you don't meet too many manichees around the street in the these days but is that basic idea that sort of dualism um common
2: do you think in the modern world well i, I mean let, let me be a polit- politician for a moment and answer a slightly different question hmm. uh one of the things we were looking at with adoptionism last time is the attractiveness of it. And I, I think there's actually quite a, an attractiveness to this um, position because it kind of is the way the world is. It does reflect the way the world is. If you ha- had no revelation to go on. I think this would be a major contender for what's behind things because it does look as if the battle goes on. It looks as if it doesn't get won by one side or the other, as if it is eternal, uh, as if it does keep going on. And, actually, um, it looks as if our physicality is part of the reason we suffer. It's part of the reason that we have pain. It's part of the reason why we die. If we were not physical, maybe we wouldn't suffer in the way that we do. Something about, I mean, nerve endings. (laughs) Um... And physical things like that that, that explain, you know, or, or create, it, in fact, the pain that we that we endure. So I, I I think I can well understand how somebody coming at this without any other narrative no. would say this is. You can read this off from the way the world is, uh, and it doesn't look as if you know people may say goods get a win in the end, but I don't see it. They might say. No.
1: And one of the reasons why um, St. Augustine of Hippo in the 4th century found it a very attractive system um, was that it it relieved us of the guilt of doing wrong. It's not our fault because we're stuck in the middle of this battle um, and, um, and our... We are made up of, of different elements, some of which are, are working with the good and some of which are working against the good. And, you know, that's just tough for us. We're caught in the middle of it and and um, there is no guilt or blame involved.
2: And he would also see seen part of the attractiveness of it, that it, um, it separates out goodness and evil so that God is not... Um, it, Tainted, he's not. Mm. You can yeah. say, well, there's this God who is completely good. Yeah. Uh, everything nasty is done by the other God. Yeah. Uh, so, he, he, the point that he wrestled with was, if you don't go this route, aren't don't you have a God who's a mixture of good and evil? Because that's what the world he's created looks like. And I suppose
0: there is some biblical grounds for it as well, because of course, in the New Testament, we read of. The devil, we read of Satan. We read of sort of powers of evil that are at work within the world, separate from God, and that can sound like a kind of independent power of evil at work against the purposes of God. Um, There's a sense in which uh, the New Testament does depict a kind of battleground between the forces of good and the forces of of evil, And, and you can see in all kinds of contemporary. Um, literature and films, you know, a lot of those are depicted as as battles between good and, good and evil. You know, pretty well every good film has that narrative to it. It's you know, there's a good character and a bad character, and they're trying to fighting fighting it out, and you kind of hope the good one's going to win, but it doesn't always work out that way.
2: Usually, does in films, doesn't
0: it? I guess it usually does in films. Yeah, apart from the depressing ones.
2: Yeah, well, I didn't go and see those. No, there you go.
0: <laughs> but you can see that you know that that idea of the eternal battle between good and evil is quite a, an attractive one.
2: And you get phrases like, you know, the children of light and the children of yep. darkness. So those yep. who are on the side of the good God, those who are on the side of the yep. bad God.
1: And, and sometimes and, Paul seems to be talking about a battle between flesh and spirit. Yep. Um, so again, that can sound, so it's mm. buying into that kind of dualistic mm. understanding of, mm. um, the, of needing to be freed from some kind of materiality.
0: And there is sometimes a kind of manichaeism or a sort of dualism, I think, that sometimes comes into our our kind of social attitudes and... Political life, in that sometimes as a society we can kind of demonise a certain group of people. We say whether they're the benefit scroungers or immigrants or whatever. We say, well, they're the bad ones. They're the ones we need to sort of keep at bay, while we somehow keep ourselves pure from 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 other influences. And you can have this very dualistic view of the world, where there are kind of bad people and there are good people. And they will always yes. be that way, and the bad people have to be just kept at, uh, at bay because they're not our responsibility.
2: Yes, and just as you parcel out the goodness and the evil to a good god and a bad god, so you can parcel it out to good yeah. people and bad people, as mm. if it, as mm. if it is not true that what Solzhenitsyn said, that the line between good and evil passes through every human heart.
0: Which begins to address why this doesn't quite work as a as an idea and as i said at the beginning there's a debate as to, you know to, to what extent is this a christian heresy because manichaeism arose not so much within christianity but it was quite attractive to it to, to, to christians at a certain point jane was saying the great saint augustine of hippo was a, a manichae in his early days um, before he, be, he was a christian uh, and there was a, a sort of overlap a kind of fringe if you like of the christian church in the fourth century that was quite attracted to manichaeism because it seemed quite close to christianity um, but um, I think and you,
2: Gnosticism was, yeah. was fairly close to it in some ways, wasn't
0: yeah, it? Yeah, I'm sure we'll come on to Gnosticism in one of our I, I'm sure, I'm sure we shall. But, um, but, I mean But your point, Mike, about that, that, that in a Christian understanding of humanity, it, it's not possible to divide people into good people and bad people because, mm. as you were saying, that that line between goodness and evil actually runs through every single one of us, that we are both good and bad at the same time we are created good yet have become less than what we should be and what we were, in, were created to be so that that mixture is there but it's there within us rather than sort of between us, us. between us exactly yeah yeah so, uh,
1: and the, you know, the way that, that the Bible talks about—I mean, it talks about the goodness of creation when that the Genesis account of God creating everything and thinking it was very good—I mean, that is theologically quite problematic because it would be much simpler to say um, there are two principles at war. Uh, because as, as Mike says, that's, ha- that's what it actually looks like. But that's not what scripture says. Scripture yeah. says that um, that at its heart, everything God has made is good. And what has happened to it is changing its nature, is, is decaying it, um, that goodness mm-hmm. is basic.
2: Yes, Yes, that we are, and I think pastorally, it's incredibly significant that we are good things, um, got screwed up, gone wrong, but we're good things, we remain good things, uh, we're ontologically good, we may have not be morally good, but but it is a good thing to be who we are, to be made in the image of God, to be the unique person and individual that, that we've been made to be.
1: And, and it's good to be physical. And it's good it to be physical. It is in this life as we live it that we are privileged to encounter. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, God in Jesus Christ. We don't have to to wait until we're rescued, until we can become part of God's family.
2: Mm. That physicality too is a good thing that's gone wrong, but it's a good thing. Mm. And it, it needs to be put right. And that's, in a sense, one of the things, isn't it? That that's, Salvation is not salvation from this world, it's salvation of this world. Yeah. It's not salvation from our bodies, being saved from them so that we can no longer be... Um, tormented by pain or whatever it's salvation of our bodies so that they aren't finally put right and live in harmony with it, with themselves mm-hmm. and with the world around and with the god who made them
0: uh, you you mentioned a moment ago mike the um pastoral implications of, mm. of this i just wanted to bring in um an email we had from a um a listener a little while ago who's uh, called rusty rusty elliot from the u.s mountain west and um it's a very 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 nice email from Rusty. He actually says, um, this is just a little kind of sideline, by the way, um, just to relieve the discussion of Manichaeism for a moment. <laughs> he says, um, through listening to God Pod, I've developed a delightful fondness for you three, and I consider you to be great friends. I look forward to meeting you one day and giving you each a huge hug, likely not in this life, but certainly in the next. So we well, look you, forward
2: to that. We, we have to have bodies
0: for that. but yes, uh, There you go. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what Rusty says is a really, really fascinating email. He talks about how his wife and he are in their mid-50s. And, um, however, a decade ago, his wife was diagnosed with a degenerative disease of the central nervous system, and um that's had a huge impact upon the on her quality of life. Um, but then he talks about how uh, about a year before she was diagnosed as that, he he became a Christian, he came to know Jesus Christ. And uh, since that time, his own world has grown hugely in the in the joy light and strength through his relationship with Christ and the uh, home he found in the church. And yet, at the same time, his wife's world, he says, seems to be collapsing. Although she considers herself a Christian, um, finds that increasingly difficult to hold now and finds very little solace or strength in knowing or seeking God. And uh, his question is that God has brought the two of us very close together as they've travelled this journey. Uh, but theologically, it's why very difficult to sort out why. He says, in the midst of one person's joy and hope, must two persons also suffer. Why, in the middle of one person's joy and hope, must two persons suffer? And tell there's a kind of echo of that in, in in what we've been discussing. This idea of you know goodness and evil somehow existing there within one family, and this divide is that is it the case that two persons must somehow suffer because of this ongoing divide between good and evil? So, again, there's a there's an instance of a pastoral situation um, that kind of reflects some of the the um, theology we've been discussing. And so, I guess, how does an orthodox Christian understanding, which is not Manichae, help to
2: resolve that? I think the first thing to do is is to focus on that word must, because I think what an orthodox Christian understanding of of creation uh, gives you is a way of saying no, there's no must about it. Um, We're not in this world which is essentially and necessarily conflictual because these two principles are eternal. We're in a world that was created good and created to be harmonious. And it could have stayed that way and it will one day be restored to being that way. Uh, And so there's there's no must about it. There's no no good that hangs upon it. There's nothing that we need from it. And it seems to me that that, we know that both from the very good of, of, of Genesis 1 but also from the healing miracles of Jesus. He doesn't pay any respect to suffering he doesn't pay any respect to evil he gets rid of it and he does not create evil
0: powers does he there is nothing created that is evil no that again a a christian understanding of creation is that creation is good full stop capital g yes um evil is again this is part of augustine's understanding is is a is a lack of goodness it's where goodness goes missing it's when, you, when, when, a, when a created being turns away from the source of goodness, which is God himself. That's when things begin to go wrong. Yes. So if you like, evil has no substance to it. It has no separate existence as a, as a sort of separate principle. It's just a turning away from, from, from the light. That's what the darkness is, the absence of light, not something substantial in itself.
1: Which is not, of course, to say that that's what Rusty's wife has done, no. um, th- because what Augustine is saying is that that turning away um, ha- has a sort of—it's as though you you tap an egg, and one wrong turning sort of sets cracks all through creation, mm-hmm. and mm. um, and Rusty's wife is 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 really showing us that we are psychosomatic holes. Her faith cannot exist independently, mm. as though unaffected by what is happening. To her body and that's very um, I mean that is completely natural but but then we also can say um, on the basis of, of Jesus that God has chosen to, um, to be found even in that situation by going to the cross, God has made it possible for us to say we, we don't have to be well, we don't have to be healed, we don't have to be yeah. um, in a good position before we can find God, God has gone down even into sickness and death so that he will be there with her. He will, although she may not always be able to feel it. And and Rusty needs to Mm. be assured of that, um, Mm. that God is not closer to him just because he's having a a glorious time in church. God is just as close, if not closer, Mm. to his wife, even if she can't articulate that or feel it at the Mm. moment.
2: I think I I often say to people that um, in some ways if if you're suffering and your faith is shaken as a result that's a sign that it's a healthy faith that yeah. it's an integrated faith it's not yes. you do not keeping it in some watertight compartment away from mm. uh, the realities of life um, and that shaken faith is still faith and i think that's an important thing to, to remember
0: and then in a sense god is bigger than our perceptions of him um it always strikes me when there's an episode for Augustine, wasn't it? When he was very attracted to Manichaeism in his early days for the reasons you've been saying, Jane. And there's a moment where um, uh, he's going through a number of doubts about Manichaeism and, and this great Manichae teacher, Faustus of Mylevis, comes to comes to town. And Augustine thinks, oh, great, he'll, he'll answer all my questions. And he turns up and he kind of um, listens to Faustus giving his speech about Manichaeism and he stands up at the end and asks all kinds of questions. He's exactly the kind of person you don't want asking questions at no, the end you, of your I lecture. I don't think
2: anybody would want Augustine <laughs> asking questions it's at right the end of your
0: lecture. Because, <laughs> of course, he asks Faustus all kinds of questions that Faustus can't answer. And that, that's what really begins Augustine's journey away from Manichaeism, because he, he raises all kinds of problematic questions with, with, with Manichaeism. And I suppose one of the key ones is, 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 is the god of Manichaeism actually worth worshipping? Because it seems that this god is actually a fairly powerless being he can't actually do anything about evil yeah. uh, he is this locked in this constant battle with evil forces he can never really win um he might never be overcome and it's it's a fairly powerless being and i think one of the things that augustine realized after a while was it is it really worth worshiping that kind of god yes. a god who it doesn't have the power to overcome evil who do cannot restore this world to, to its to its true goodness and to 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 worship a a being who is less than good less than truly beautiful is, is somehow unworthy of us and i suppose that so one of the things that again i kind of orthodox theology says actually the no no um evil is ultimately although deeply Painful and it has what kind of ultimately it seen in in the perspective of the size and goodness and beauty of God Ultimately evil is actually something quite trivial now, I want to get that right and not saying that evil doesn't matter or that you know what Rusty's wife is suffering isn't, is It's is somehow trivial in itself But you have to see it in the context of the greatness and glory and beauty of God and the final triumph of God And I think that's what Augustine seemed to come to
1: but also that we are then right to be outraged by mm-hmm. evil and mm-hmm. suffering, mm-hmm. because it isn't mm-hmm. natural. Yeah. yes. Um, and so it is perfectly legitimate to rage against it. And we don't just shrug our shoulders it does no. and say, "Well, that's, it." That's, does not belong. Exactly. It should not be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and
0: we don't just say, "Well, that's just the way it is." No. Um, yeah. Let's get on with life.
2: And that's what Jesus does at the tomb of Lazarus. He rages against, yeah. even presumably knowing that he's about to raise him to life again. Mm-hmm. There's something wrong. There's something obscene about this. Mm-hmm. Something that shouldn't be. There's something that's. Uh, and despoiling um, and distorting God's good creation. Because
0: there's nowhere really in the Gospels where Jesus somehow seems to accept no. suffering and evil as just one of those things. No. He always has this implacable hostility to it, yes. where he either heals it or um, confronts it or goes into the, the very depths of evil himself in in the cross. Um, there's always this implacable hostility to evil, not a sort of, oh uh, well tough
1: yes presumably that's partly why death cannot hold on to him is that death when confronted with the maker of reality Mm. is shown to be not real Mm. it it is overcome Mm. but uh, and it one again one going back to augustine because i'm afraid around these microphones we will constantly go back (laughs) to augustine one of the things augustine says he didn't find in any of the other philosophies and um, theologies that he looked at was the humble god Mm. the god who is prepared to come and live our lives Yes. Um, so that our lives are shot through with the presence of God, because God has made that possible. Um, and so I suppose that's what I would like to say to Rusty's wife. God is there, um, and, it, and you don't need to feel him for, for him to be there. He is actually there, mm-hmm. um, present and active, and uh, mm-hmm. um, and I hope that will be some consolation.
2: And, and the cross is, in a sense, the, the placard and guarantee yeah. of that, isn't yeah. it? That, that even in mm. that... Experience of godlessness and God forsakenness. God was actually present yeah. in a, in yeah. some ways, kind of quintessentially present.
1: Yeah. And it ought not to be possible to say that, ought it? That is the the sort of ultimate paradox. How oh. can God, who is completely full of life and goodness, um, allow Himself to be taken into um, evil and death? Mm. Well, mm. He can because He's God and reaches for us even through that. Mm.
0: I guess this is an illustration of, I think, a point you were making, Mike, um, last time about Procrustean beds and locking off bits of tall people like you. Um, uh, if you don't understand that reference, you're going to have to go back to God Pod 85 and listen to that one. In other words, the idea that heresies are effectively a diminution of Christian faith. They're somehow a narrowing, a shrinking of it. And that seems to be what, what Manichaeism does. It sort of shrinks God to this rather impotent power. Um, who is always losing out somehow in the battle against evil? Evil. He can't do anything about it. Um, evil is always getting in somehow and, and, and overtaking us and so on. Whereas actually, the God that Augustine discovered, the God of Jesus Christ, is the God who is actually Himself overcoming evil. He is the one who's on the on the march. He's he's, he's the one who's on the advance. It's not evil that is making incursions. You know, sometimes we have that spirituality that says, "Oh dear, the devil got in uh, again." It's rather depressing because the devil always seems to get in. Um, or actually what's really happening is the amazing thing is that sometimes God gets in. God actually invades and, and is, is on the march. The kingdom is coming.
2: Your kingdom come on, on earth yeah. as it is in heaven. That's right. From, is that... from that bridgehead it is now yeah. taking over.
0: And that the world is not just good and evil. It is good. Yes. And that God is not somehow or divine. The divine is not good and evil. God is good.
2: And therefore there is... Uh, a hope that there isn't under the manichaean scheme yeah the hope that things will be put right um, i think that's
0: right because if you originally if you think that in the beginning there was good and evil it's very hard to imagine there'll be anything, anything other than good and evil mm-hmm. you don't really have any eschatology you don't have any possibility of the world ever being properly restored because you can't conceive of a world which is purely good and harmonious all you can conceive of is a world which is a mix a blend of good and evil whereas if evil is something that, that kind of comes in as a stranger, as an alien, something that doesn't really belong in this world, you can conceive that one day it might be possible that it's it's going to be expelled and got rid of and, and sent back to where it came from, and actually the world will be restored in its fullness.
2: And I think that's, that's true to my own kind of experience of depression, that while it's on, you can't imagine it being otherwise. Yeah. You can't imagine it ever ending. You, can, you can't imagine ever waking up and not mm. feeling... You know. Um, and yet... It, you know, my experience is that it can and does go. Um, and that is almost as if the fallenness of the world is a kind of cosmic depression mm. that mm. the world is currently mm. suffering under. But that doesn't mean that it will always be thus, that it will always be so. And, and that's where I think if you look at just the way the world is, then you might come to a manically inclusion. If you look at the eruption of God and his kingdom into human life and existence um, mm. in the person of life and work of christ then it then you have hope that things will be
1: different because you've seen it happening so it is still appropriate to use language about battle mm, yes. um yeah provided we are perfectly clear um that that god is the victor um and, and to
0: engage in that battle ourselves in prayer and yeah. in, in action within the world and evangelism all yeah. the things that we're called to to do, We are engaging in some way in that battle, but with the reassurance that God is the one who began and ends all things This is not just an ongoing endless battle, which no one's ever going to win.
2: Yes, and that the opposite of Satan is not God The opposite yep. of Satan is St. Michael. Mm. Yeah, Satan uh, is a created being. They're both they're both yep. created beings. There yep. is only one principle yep. <laughs> Eternal principle and that and that's God and therefore goodness is ultimate In a way that evil and suffering aren't.
1: I always find it incredibly moving to remember Desmond Tutu um, saying that human beings are essentially good. And this is somebody who lived through Mm. apartheid Mm. and saw what terrible things people could do to each other. So it Mm. comes out of his his belief in God the Creator and Redeemer Mm. that human beings are ultimately, essentially good.
0: Christians are people who take evil seriously, but not ultimately too seriously. Yeah. Because we take goodness seriously, because goodness is permanent, evil is temporary. Yes.
2: I always find Augustine's analogy a helpful one about um when he's talking about evil not being a thing, not being a substance, not having that mm. kind of positive reality. Mm. Yeah, he says something I it's a bit like a headache. You know, when a headache goes, it doesn't go anywhere. Mm. Mm. It ceases to ache <laughs> it ceases <laughs> to malfunction yep. uh, the interactions start being harmonious instead of disharmonious mm. it doesn't have to go anywhere mm. um, and that's we need that same view of the world that there's nothing Yep, there's no evil thing in it it's the interactions need to be, become harmonious
0: well we've um, had a go at manichaeism thank you to Rusty for his very interesting email and a question Um, uh, And uh, yeah Very interesting to talk about Manichaeism It is So thank you Michael It's a pleasure And Jane Likewise That was GodPod86 And we'll be back with GodPod87 before long Please send in your favourite heresies We will have a go at um, addressing one or two of them But until next time it's goodbye from all of us
1: That was GodPod a podcast from the St. Paul's Theological Centre. If you want to send us a question, just email it to godpod at htb.org.uk. We can't promise to answer all the questions you send in, but we'll certainly try. Until next time, goodbye.